Off the Brawl on OTB Sports Radio, Ireland's first and only sports radio station. So, Tokyo 2020 starting to come into focus, and to that end, I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Team USA boxing coach Billy Walsh. Billy, how are things? Good one, how are you? Good stuff, I'm not too bad. It still doesn't seem that long since you made that move to America, Billy, but it's been five years, so is, <laughs> is Colorado like a home from home for you at this stage, or do you still miss? Yeah, it sure was, it is, yeah. yeah. I can get around without the sat now, so <laughs> just wondered you could call it any home then. <laughs> and do you get home much in between, in between times? Yeah, I get home about you know, four or five four, four or five times a year. It depends on what's happening. And usually, when I'm in, we're in Europe at a competition or a training camp. I, I head home for a week or so after. And I just got back actually. I was in Bulgaria mm. for the last couple of weeks and uh, struggling a little bit with jet lag at this stage. But mm. uh, um, yeah, I had to come back because we're we're making a final selection of our team for uh, the 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 big qualifiers. Yeah. And you had that multi-nations tournament in Bulgaria, as you mentioned. Strong medal hall for America, so you must have been very pleased with that. Yeah, I was happy enough. I think um, <clears throat> a, couple of, a couple of slight injuries and stuff. We pulled a couple of our men's, men's team out of the final stages where they had already guaranteed a place on the team for the qualifiers, and we didn't want them to have them injured. But our ladies team did fantastically well. And uh, made the three goals, we won two silver and a bronze medal, so... Put us in second place of the 29 countries, so quite happy with where we're at at this stage for qualification. And were there any of those medals in particular that you were pleased by? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know a couple of the girls. I think 69 kilos of Shea Jones was uh, was outstanding throughout um, the competition. Uh, boxed very, very well. So really happy with her. Our flyweight uh, was a new kid on the block that came to the trials this year. Came in as number two, but now he's he's about to take over his number one position after his performances out there. And I think he had the fight of the tournament with the the favourite uh, Bulgarian guy. Uh, so I was really pleased with him as well. Mm. And I mentioned at the top, this is an Olympic year, obviously. And for Rio 2016, you came in sort of at the eleventh hour a little bit, but you've had a full lead in for Tokyo 2020. Has the preparation been much different with that in mind? Yeah, look, we had, I had ten months before um, before Rio, um, and then we got we've had a full cycle um, this time around. So I've no excuses. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, we're hoping to go a little bit better than what we did in in uh, Rio. Yeah, obviously, we got a whole new team. You know, the team after Rio, every one of them went professional, uh, and uh, we started with a whole new crop. So we've been finding out and trying to get our best team together over the last couple of years, giving giving them the experiences of international boxing, which they didn't see a lot or don't see a lot over here, um, in comparison to what we were doing in Ireland, uh, where our guys would have 40 or 50 internationals. These guys were going in with two or three internationals heading to an Olympic game. So, yeah, we've been given that uh, that's, that's, um, experiences, and uh, you know there is good talent here. So we were hoping to uh, push the balls a bit further than what we did in Rio. Yeah, and I remember when you were on the show back, when you initially took up this post and one of the impressions you picked up was that while Team USA is obviously a huge brand and historic in that sense, that maybe the team ethic wasn't quite there and all the individual boxers had their individual coaches. Have you managed to foster that team ethic that you had so successfully over here in the American side of things? Yes, and that's, that was the first thing I worked on was really building the team, building Team USA, building that brand again, building the Olympic those Olympic five Olympic rings in the gym where, you know, it wasn't visible to anybody here. That nobody thought about 
at a big style boxing. They were thinking about professional boxing. And and now we've sort of sold it to them, and this is their pla- this is their pathway to becoming a world professional, as they did back in the the olden days. All the best professional uh, champions were all the big champions prior to mm-hmm. prior to being those being a pro. So we, we we've been selling that, and now we began to believe again in you know the the, the Olympic platform first. And that culture, obviously, in American boxing, but just in terms of the culture of amateur boxing as a whole. Uh, the governance side of things, and that was evidenced in the worst way in Rio 2016 with all the judging, and that's obviously been addressed now. But did that make it difficult when you're trying to convince those young prospects that to stick with amateur boxing when there's this kind of toxic undertone as well? Yeah, you know, there's that belief, you know, sometimes that when things are not going well for them, which hadn't been for a number of years, that they always get robbed when they go away. Mm. So we've had to try to quash that myth as well, you know. Although it has happened on a few occasions, like it has happened with a lot of other countries, uh, with with some of the poor decisions, but um, you know, we sort of taken that myth away from it and sat down and analysed stuff and showed them that you know maybe you didn't actually win that, or maybe you left it too close uh, for the judges to call. Sometimes I'm sitting at ringside, and to be honest, some sometimes some of those fights are very very difficult to call. Mm-hmm. There's a toss of a coin. Uh, between some of them, you know, and you know, we're trying to get them to the, the stage where they do the extra piece of work and leave it all in the ring, so that when they come back, then they, they have no excuses or there's no regrets. Yeah, and it's something of a clean slate, almost unprecedented that so none of the judges from 2016 are going to be uh, judging this year at the Olympics. Aiba, who were in charge for seven decades, are, are no longer in the picture. There's a temporary task force, and it's only really in the last few months that we've got any sort of clarity on how Olympic boxing is going to work this year. Has that affected your role day to day, just not knowing almost uh, how the whole thing's going to pan out? No, it hasn't really, you know, and uh, we just focus on ourselves and getting ourselves prepared for the competitions and stuff that we go to. You know, at the end of the day, I are, are out of the, the equation, but the referees and judges that they will be using are from Aiba mm. because they can't get referees and judges anywhere else that, that know, know the type of boxing and have been trained up in, in, in the skills that are needed to, to do that. So, you know, nothing has changed a whole lot for us. Uh, it was a little bit of uncertainty, but, you know, the task force said, you know, that there were definitely boxing was going to be part of the games and this Aiba would be not innocent. I think the name Aiba would be gone. I think, I think it's been made very clear that, you know, the world amateur boxing needs needs a new governance and it needs new people to come in. And, and I think it obviously should start with a new, fresh name. Yeah. And that uncertainty has seen, particularly in this side of the pond, the likes of Joe Ward and Paddy Donovan have made the jump to the pro game with that uncertainty in mind. So it is quite important that we nail things at Tokyo 2020 and amateur boxing comes away with its integrity restored almost. Yeah, well, I don't know the guy that's running that, you know, um, running most, but Breno, as a good friend of mine, I think, you know, he may have a big future in, uh, I, well, whatever the new name would be mm. uh, in in the years to come. I think he'd be a good guy to uh, guide us along the route of back to, back to uh, the glory where it was at before. And in terms of your own prospects, Billy, I know there's there's plenty of them, but Keyshawn Davis is someone who's made a, an impression already, and I've seen people comparing him to Pernell Whitaker, what kind of talent are we talking about with Davis? Look at these, you know, I think uh, somebody, some journalist actually from Ireland uh, messaged me around the time at the World Championships and uh, asked me about him and I said he is special and I think that's the best way I could describe him. He's a special talent, you know, he's you know, a really hard worker, 
Uh, he's very smart. He, you know, his ring sense and his, his boxing IQ is really up there with the top guys. You know, I think you know he he, he was very unlucky to lose and a tight decision to Andy Cruz from Cuba in the final of the World Championships this year. So we're looking to make amends for that next year and uh, learn from learn from our mistakes and hopefully rise to the top and be the best uh, the best in the world uh, come come Olympic time. And um, I think the last time the World Championships were in Russia, I think you were boxing around that time. What was the vibe like in Russia for that um, for that tournament? Yeah, I was there. It was thirty years previous. I mm. actually boxed there in the, the last time the World the World Championships. Yeah. yeah, it was a bit scary <laughs> to think it was that long ago. But um, you know, it was like a, they, they ran a pretty good show. I mean, the, the facilities were fantastic and. You know, I think the, the, the organization was really, really good. Yes, again, there were some uh, dodgy uh, decisions going around, but uh, in fairness to them, they ran a good show and they ran, ran a good uh, good tournament. But, you know, it wasn't, as it was supposed to have been, a Libby qualifier, and it wasn't a Libby qualifier because of uh, some of the skullduggery that went on before. So, uh, yeah, it was good. It was well run. Uh but again, um, it didn't mean all that in the sense, except for it was the World Championships. And I mentioned Davis there, and obviously everyone's looking forward to seeing him. But in terms of the, the Irish talent coming through, Billy, have you had a chance, even from afar, to, to look at some of our prospects going into Tokyo 2020? Yeah, we've, yeah, we've got a good uh, young team. I was, I was, they were actually in Bulgaria as well. And I spent quite a bit of time speaking with Bernard Dunn, who, was, who took over for me. Uh, we're good friends, and uh, we work together pretty well, so... Yeah, look, Ireland will always have a good team, you know, and I think our women's team is doing pretty well at the moment as well. Uh, so it's hard to replace the likes of Joe Ward and that. But uh, there's a couple, as I said, there's a couple of good young prospects coming through. And come Olympic time, they will be uh, a force to reckon with uh, when, they, when, when they get their get their place at the games. Mm. And for all the world in Rio, it looked like it was going to be Michael Conlon against Shakur Stevenson, and that would have been uh, you going up against uh, one of your old protégés almost and I think I saw some quotes that you probably would have sat that one out or maybe not taken your seat in the corner will you have any hang-ups like that this time around if you come up against an Irish opponent uh, will you be no, will you mind no no it's different like 10 months previous to that maybe that fight happening I was in Michael's corner he was the first Irish man to win a world amateur title mm. at elite level and I happened to be in his corner for that and then you know, 10 months later to be in a different guy's corner like you know, I never told anybody at the time, and I was dreading it happening. And I know the media would have had a, a field day on it, but um, I was actually—I never told anybody. I never told my CEO. I never, like it was only now that you can talk about it. But I, I was going to sit it out. I wasn't going to do the corner uh, for for that fight. I just think it'd be it'd be disrespectful to everybody, and I just I, I wouldn't be able to do it. Cause myself and Michael have a really good relationship. Of going back. For many a year, and uh, I would like to uh, to be in the opposite corner to him. Yeah, it's a, it was a really strong bond. It was something that was almost tangible. You could see that the relationship between the two of you, and he's he's made waves as a pro already, Billy. Um, what have you? What have you, What's your take on his, his professional career so far? Yeah, he's been going really, really well. He's managed it well, and I've been up at a couple of his fights. I went to Belfast when he did, had his debut. I happened to be home. And I went up to it there, and you know, he I met, went to meet him in LA when he was living there. Spent some time with him. I think he's like he's destined to be a world professional champion, and 
yeah, he's you know he's biding his time and uh, and taking his time making his progress, and you know I don't think, I don't think he's too far away from becoming a world world champion. And then Shakur has already become a world champion since, <clears throat> so maybe there's a possibility of them meeting uh, meeting again uh, in the professional ranks. Yeah, and we should mention Katie Taylor as well. Few people know her as as well as you, Billy, and. You know, I'd say even you're surprised by how well she's done as a professional because women's boxing wasn't really on the radar maybe 10 years ago, but she's she's still breaking down boundaries. Have you been impressed by how she's segued into the professional ranks as well? Yeah, it was, you know, Katie has been a leader in for women's boxing for and women's sports, you know, for, for decades now, you know, and, and she's been a groundbreaker and she continues to do that. I haven't been surprised, to be honest. I know her professionalism and I know how dedicated she is and, and what a winner she is, you know, and her skill set and her hand speed is phenomenal and she's brought all that with her and she hasn't lost any of it, you know, and now she's moving into her her, her mid thirties, you know, she's still working working away well and you know, I think it won't be long until she unify or maybe move up and, and unify a few more belts, you know, and I think um she is a legend uh, in, in terms of boxing. And in, in terms of sport in Ireland, I think we don't even realise whenever she's gone that how good she really was. Yeah, a generational talent and transcendent, as you mentioned, conquered a couple of divisions already. And another person with a similar claim is another protege of yours, Clarissa Shields, who's gone as of a couple of weeks ago to become a three-weight world champion, the quickest boxer to do it. Um, have you been impressed with Clarissa in the paid ranks? Oh, absolutely. She's you know she was made for the paid ranks originally. You know that was her. Her style and the type type of person she loves that that uh, image and that and, and the profile you get with that. And she's been back in here with us training <clears throat> a few times since, you know. So we uh, we have a good bit of banter. And but she's uh, yeah, she's she's uh, one to reckon with. I think the problem with her is, is trying to find somebody up with those heavier weights. There isn't that many women in professional boxing. So getting enough getting enough work. Getting enough people in the, those weight divisions where she's going to get plenty of uh, competition, where she's probably down to maybe one fight a year now, or maybe two fights a year. You know, mm. at the end of the day, in, in that game, in the professional game, you got to be working, you got to be fighting to make your living. You know, so <clears throat> that would be the struggle for her. Um, and then she's probably going to have to move up a few weights to um, to um, actually keep working. Yeah, and just lastly, in terms of your own schedule, I know the the North and South American tournaments, so that's coming up at the end of March. Is that the first qualifier where you're going to start whittling down or have an idea of who you're going to be bringing to Tokyo? Yeah, yeah, that starts the 24th of March. We go to, uh, we'll be in Buenos Aires for the, uh, the Pan Am qualifier. Uh, yeah, and that, that'll be one of our best chances of qualifying most of our boxers. And then after that, in May, we have the final qualifier in Paris. And hopefully we don't have too many boxers to go there, but yeah, we hope to do most of our damage down in Buenos Aires. Um, we're all gearing up for that. As I said, we just bought, bought two teams to Bulgaria. Uh, now we're going to, today and tomorrow, we're going to select a team out of those two. And then we will um, <clears throat> put them on the road and back in the training camp for getting ready for Buenos Aires. Mm. Well, I hope you can go on and pick up plenty of medals in Tokyo. Not too many, Billy. Save some for... Save some for Ireland as well, but uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll catch up with you before that anyway. Billy Walsh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. Thanks, Ron. Pleasure as always. Off the Brawl.
on OTB Sports Radio, Ireland's first and only sports radio station.